Follow Without Warning Podcast Season 3, Investigation Derailed with Sheila Waisaki on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Without Warning Podcast presents Season 3, Investigation Derailed. Come behind the curtain with private investigator Sheila Waisaki and examine a major injustice. Warning, the following episode contains elements that are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. It's been nearly 13 years since Vicki Hall had her daughter, Katie, and her grandchildren taken from her. But the pain of their loss returns fresh every day. I started the Without Warning podcast to get tips in the cases I was highlighting, and listeners have responded so incredibly. I have believed from the beginning that this case is solvable. Over the course of the last 17 episodes, the information we have uncovered makes me believe that even more strongly. We may be wrapping up the season of the podcast, but rest assured we are not wrapping up our investigation. Before we get into where the case stands and where we are headed, I want us to pause for a moment and learn a bit more about Katie as she was in life. Let's listen to Vicki as she talks with crowdsourcers Kendra and Chelsea. Katie was the oldest, born in 81. Katie would be 40 next year. She came three weeks early and was born on his birthday. February 9th was his birthday. That was quite the surprise, you know, just that she was born on her dad's birthday. Was she a hard delivery? No, real, real easy. I woke up, my water had broke. Totally nothing. It was 20 below zero in Michigan. Didn't know if the car was going to start. Got the car started and got to the hospital. And they were ex- wanting to x-ray me to see if I was going to be big enough to deliver because I was tiny. So they were going to x-ray me. So all I had to do is wait for the doctor to get there who had had a fire in his basement. So I had to sit there and suck a dish rag and, and breathe. They wouldn't let me ha- deliver her. She was, you know. Anyway, so she came really fast. Did she, did she have hair when she was born? Or? Yeah. yeah, she was real cute. She had dark hair. And then she had real, real blue eyes. So, How big was she? Six pounds, seven and a half ounces. Tiny. Yeah. Tiny little thing. Well, yeah, for being three weeks early. But still a healthy size. You know, not... Yeah, yeah she was totally healthy, yeah. Well, I was the oldest of six. And then I had to take care... Of, I had a two-year-old brother. And I had to take care of my siblings because didn't have the best family life. So I was so used to being the mother that, I mean, diapers, bottles, that wasn't anything to me, you know. So that's one thing that I can say. I was just a mother already pretty much. That's kind of what Katie was to like Sarah and, and Jesse. Jesse's the younger of the two, right? Boys. I'm the younger of the two boys, yes. Yeah. Sarah's the baby. Yeah, she was real motherly. Yeah, I remember when Jesse was born, she'd be right there trying to help me give him a bath and he'd be screaming and yeah, she was very motherly. You know, she they called her sissy and if they wanted to go, you know, talk with Katie, they were, I mean, they were just close. And she did, she looked, you know, she was going to look out for them for any reason. How old was she when she first moved out? 
Like, did she go? Because she, she went graduated from high school. She had graduated from high school. She went to Trident Tech, moved in with a friend, and they moved west after she was dating Aaron. So she was close to Aaron then, you know, closer drive to Aaron. And I know Aaron's mom would go over there, but, you know, she was very controlling and, you know, it just got worse. That just made it nice for Aaron's mom to be more controlling. But then she moved back home and then she stayed living with us until they got married. And they, she moved away that basically that night out the honeymoon and then moved away. So that was real hard. Me and Sarah just cried. We're crying at the wedding, you know, so busy doing the wedding in life. And then all of a sudden you're standing there realizing, oh, she's moving away. And we were just crying in the wedding. So she was born in Michigan, right? Right. And then when did you guys move to South Carolina with her? How old was she then? She was eight months old. We moved in October. Jeff had come down in June. He graduated and he came down in June. And then we moved down in October. I remember that specifically because it was real cold up there. And I come down here and it's warm and you could still sit outside. And I sat outside with Katie. I remember playing in the grass. Or Anyway, so yeah, we moved down in October. He came to get a job. And then the mines were closing down. So even the adults were trying to get the jobs in the fast food restaurant. The economy had gotten real bad. And Jeff had a friend, Alan, who was in the Air Force. His dad was in the Air Force. So he moved down and stayed with his friend, Alan, got a job. And I flew down with Katie later. So down in South Carolina, I mean, he was working. It was really just you and Katie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would hang out. There was a pond and a park that we would go to and feed the ducks. And there was a little park right there. So, and then I had to get a job too. So I did get a job at Burger King. I mean, we were poor and we were just starting out. And um, so I worked part-time. So it was a park, you know, close to where we live. So I could take Katie and walk there. And I remember putting little, I'd always put little, fix her hair every day and put a little piggy tail pointing up because she had enough hair. I could just point one up and, you know, dress her up. And then I cook dinner and, you know, just your normal routine stuff too. If she got older, would she help you cook? She would help me cook. And as she got a lot older, Katie had a lot of interest in cooking. So me and her would do certain recipes and we'd have parties at the house. Like, I don't know, we did different parties, things like maybe a jewelry party, you know, how all that was going on. And me and her would make food and Sarah would help probably a little bit later. She always had an interest in cooking. She walked pretty early, about 10 months. Yeah. So she was, you know, she was pretty much ahead of everything and she walked early. You know, she potty trained out early. It seems like with your oldest, everything like that is just so much more. Was she really jealous when Jeremy came? She wasn't, no. But Jeremy was real jealous when Jesse came. But no, Katie was just always, you know, motherly and not jealous. I was always that way where I like to sit in with the kids and do coloring and, you know, more artsy than watching TV. I wasn't really into that until Jesse came along. The only thing that would satisfy him would be something like that. But me and Katie would go walking and picking flowers all the time. From a little girl, she probably, you don't realize how much you're teaching them, but I love doing, I love flowers. So we'd go walking and pick flowers wherever we lived, you know, so we had moved around a little bit from when we got here to, we ended up in Goose Creek. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphin. 
And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. One of the great loves of Katie's life after her children was horses. She got her start young and adored them for the rest of her life. As a typical teen, she had other interests as she grew older as well. Well, I, I got a horse when she was five, so it was she was a little bit, you know, older. So I got a horse when she was five, and yeah, she was always involved from that time with the horse and would go with me to the stables and always had that love and started, I gave her, started giving her lessons about five years old. She took riding lessons from other people at the farm and stuff. But her favorite movie as she got older from a teenager was Gone with the Wind. She loved Gone with the Wind. She liked some movies like that. Yeah, for a while she liked Madonna. You know, she was a teenager. Hootie and the Blowfish. I remember this is kind of... I know, you know, this is kind of personal, but she really was into Madonna and I was trying to say, Katie, you know, that's not the best role. <laughs> so Madonna was going to be on TV. I think she may had wanted to go to, con I don't think it could have been a concert because Madonna went to been local. But anyway, she was really, it must have been Madonna was going to be on TV and she really wanted to watch. So, okay, well, we're going to sit up and watch it. It might've been a Friday, Saturday night. Me and her, I said, I'm going to sit and watch it with you. She ended up telling me, mom, turn that TV off. And she learned a lot, you know, from it was very provocative. That's when Madonna had a bed, I think. She was on a bed. So anyway, yeah, she, she went through her stages of who she liked with music and she always liked to sing and she just always wanted to be a singer. I don't know how much they had of that, but yeah, she would, when she could, she would be on that, on the singing. She never had the best voice. She just wanted to be a singer where, you know, she wasn't brought out of that. But horses were, ended up being her main thing. And she had a, you know, a lot of friends at the farm and would hang out. And it was just, it was a good environment for her because there was a lot of kids there riding and they'd ride together and hang out. Because I had other people want me to, hey, take your horse over to my house. And because I teach in their, their children, they'd be like, well, just bring your horse over here and you won't have to pay me. I'm like, no, 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 no. The environment's so important, you know, to have people around. And Trailer yeah, I had people trying to do that. You know, even though I know where they live, they were... I was teaching their two daughters, well, you can just bring Poppy over here and you won't have to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is, it's not just about the horse. It's about the whole environment of having friends. And so that was a real, you know, a, a very blessing that Katie got to grow up at the farm. She did good structure, good bunch of kids that hung out. And of course, some of them, they'd get in trouble with Mr. Billy. And, they, you know, they became teenagers and he'd be out there fussing at them. And she'd help out at the farm too. And Probably, I would have to say, got her first job working there, just helping out at the farm. What about, like, her bedroom as a teenager? Did she have posters up and stuff like that? We had bought her the bedroom set with the bed. I can't think of the word with the bed. Roughly, you know, bed cover. It was a single canopy? bed. Canopy? Yeah. Canopy bed? Yeah. And I think, it, yeah, it was white. Maybe with some pink on it. I think the bedspread and all was pink originally, but that was a big deal when she got that. She was so excited. Just because, you know, we were, we didn't have money, so that was a big deal. I think she, what I remember she got it for Christmas was a new bedroom set. 
then as she became a teenager, you know, outgrowing that, I remember painting the furniture different for her, all of the whole set. And yeah, I mean, I remember having to fuss at her a lot about cleaning her bedroom. Yeah, I remember one day she was at school and I just decided to go in her bedroom and maybe start cleaning it, which I normally didn't do. They had to do. Maybe I was going to paint it. I don't remember why, but, and I'd find orange peelings stuffed in a purse in her closet and, you know, just stuff. I'm like, oh my Lord, Katie. She was, she was a messy teenager in her bedroom. Pink was Katie's favorite color. I even got her, I got her old riding helmet cover and it's pink with white polka dots. And then, you know, she would dress her horse up in pink. Pink was always Katie's favorite color and she loved fancy dresses. Roughly, they're better. She did some beauty pageant stuff a little bit. She just loved dressing up. She loved wearing dresses. Katie was my frilly dresser, liked to have her hair done, you know, and she always kind of grew up as she matured into, she she dressed, you know, nice. Yeah. I think she had a little self-conscious of being short, a little bit too. Played basketball some. We tried her in other sports too. We let her, we didn't, I didn't want her to just do horses because I did. So I wanted, you know, she did some gymnastics. She probably took some art classes. She played basketball. She did a little bit of volleyball, just some other sports, but horses always ended up being, she loved the farm. She loved being there. Oh, she took dance. Didn't want a piano. You know, I did try and do some to make sure I wasn't me pushing the horses like, well, this is my love. I want you to love it. So I made sure I um, let her do other things too. So basketball is the only sport I remember really in high school. She might've done a little bit of volleyball. When they play basketball, I don't know if y'all, have you had your daughter play basketball? Like my They get so aggressive. They're nothing like the boys that are like pulling hair and stuff. I remember the games, you know, I'm like, oh my God. She did play basketball for you know a little bit, um, but she just always you know really loved the horses. She showed you know she would go for a week in Georgia every year. What was her horse's name? Poppy. Do you have pictures of her in in a beauty pageant? I don't know if I have them. I, I probably somewhere in the pageant. I have some of the photos where you had to do like some pictures. She might have you know she did it for maybe one year where. There was an organization around here and one of the other girls at the barn was in it. I think they, that girl won it. So we did it for like a year and I ended up actually just not really liking it that much. What was her talent? It wasn't like a big pet. I mean, this was just a little thing. I don't know that she had, she might've just had to answer some questions. I don't remember her having to sing or dance or anything. I just really remember her going in one pageant. Uh, I might've even been in Monk's Corner. She dressed up, you know, her stuff was like horse themes, except for she had to wear a pageant dress. But I remember it was a horse, horse themes, like a cowgirl in one and a dressage rider in the other thing. It's the equine type of riding, more like an English type of riding. I think there's a picture of her I gave to Sheila where she has a top hat on and a black jacket. That's the dressage type. Was she a dancer? And I don't mean like formal dancing and that kind of thing, but I just mean like if music came on the radio... Was Katie the kind that was moving around? Not really. I remember her being a, a more of a singer. If music came on, she was going to be singing it more than dancing it. I would do that more to embarrass them. Like we'd be in the grocery store and a song would come on and then I just, and they would just get so embarrassed. So then I would just do it because, you know, oh, mom, stop. Katie wasn't just a pink loving dress wearing girly girl. She had a rough and tumbled tomboy side as well. 
how did they catch those little lizards to put them on their ears? Well, down here, I'm sure Kendra knows now. I mean, my daughter, my granddaughter, JC, catches them all the time now. And yeah, Katie loved catching frogs. and They're everywhere. I think I, I might have an old movie where I went to Michigan and she's running around playing with my younger brother, Jimmy. I want to say they're eight. You know, Katie might have been eight, but, you know, catching little stuff up there. And she was tomboyish that way. She And Sarah was, and I guess they get it from me. And JC, my granddaughter, is, and Zoe is. When did, when did Katie get her license? She was 17. And did she have her own car? She had a car. Yeah, she had it. It was a tan. It was a real safe car. But anyway, I think I know her dad got it somehow trading something. Yeah, you traded in a car and got her a little car. But she gave her car away to her friend. Why'd she give it to her friend? Was her friend like in need? Yeah. She worked with her at the bookstore a long time. But yeah, she Katie was like that. She wanted to, you know, be very giving. Didn't charge her anything, huh? Mm-mm. Wow, that's sweet. Sounds like a good one. So she kept it up. You know, she had that same car until she got her truck. And if she had just gotten the truck, maybe a year. Was she always a truck girl? Like it was obvious she was going to be, I mean, I suppose with horses, right? Yeah, she didn't really want a minivan. She wanted, that's why she, you know, she got a truck. because She was more tomboyish that way. She still had her tomboyish. She liked the little truck, four-door little truck, and it worked out well. And they had the top down, or that back that top thing so she could get her groceries still, you know, because a truck that can be harder to have a truck, even for me. So when they first got married, they move out into an apartment. Is that right? Mm-hmm. When they moved into the house that they owned, I mean, she had to feel pretty good about that. I would think. Oh, like- she, yeah. She loved fixing it up like with her dishes. Me and her and my mom, we always thrift store shopped. We loved, you know, going, that was kind of our, get together thing to go do and have lunch and go shopping like that. And she was getting, she was collecting plates to eat off of, but they would be different pretty plates. Like she would just get one because you can never not always find a whole set anyway, but she was really enjoying collecting dishes that were real pretty plate. And I, I have one. So she was doing that, um, fixing up her house, having plans. They had some trees cut down because there's big pine trees, like big, huge, bright, you know, by the house. She was gardening already, you know, doing her plants in the backyard and just, you know, enjoying all that and cooking and cooking for her dog. She would even cook him special food like rice and chicken. And, you know, she was experimenting with making him stuff and she just, you know, was really enjoying that. So he was the baby before the baby came, huh? Yes, I remember. Yeah. And she would just totally spoil him. Like she'd be making him chicken and rice and... You know, yeah, she just and really enjoyed that. Didn't she have these two wreaths that she would hand spray? That was right before she died, yeah. So that Christmas, she was into ivy. She liked ivy because she bought me ivy plants for the barn, in front of the barn that were Christmassy and planted them for me. Wreaths were ivy and she would hand spray them um, with a water bottle, but, and they had little silver butterflies and she put butterflies on her tree, which is just so, for some reason that Christmas, that's, yeah. but I still have the ivy, you know, and it grows like crazy. There's a big patch that growing over here. And you always get your flowers every year. And I just took pictures of some this morning. They're periwinkle, but mine are dead that I planted in these planters. And this periwinkle's like 
you know, and I didn't plan it. She's hand spraying it from heaven. And they're, and they're pink. They're pink. Oh, mm-hmm. beautiful. That's what I call them. And then butterflies, you know. So when I see a butterfly, because for some reason that year, you know, she did silver butterflies for on her tree and stuff. But that was beautiful. You know, everyday life, dealing with life or, you know, I'm not saying she was just some just perfect person, but I mean, she was excited about Christmas. She may have been a little agitated here and there with Aaron or concerns or just normal life, but there was no signs of depression. You know, I had no concerns, you know, so that's, I mean, because I now know what it's like to be depressed. But is there credible evidence that Katie was depressed as local authorities claim? And why has Vicki had to spend her years exhausting her physical, emotional, and financial resources to try to get answers to simple questions about Katie's case? There's so much information available. Do you think Berkeley County did right by Katie River and Aiden? You can't hide it, you know. And Sarah was around her. You know, y'all can to Sarah. Or Sarah, did you ever see Katie crying? Was she sad? You know, she's going to be honest with her sister, you know. Her case didn't even see it. No. The nurses. They had decided by that Tuesday it was a suicide. And the only reason we got anything else done or anything else put into the file was because I was pushing. And then they knew this case was going to get looked at. Anything that was done because the phone records I was pushing, I don't think they would have done anything after Tuesday. My brothers were pushing. It wasn't just me. My brothers, you know, they they flew in. Kenny was here probably almost two weeks. Chad was here for two weeks. They were, you know, trying to push them, calling, you know, why don't you all come investigate this truck? Come in, you know, trying to get them to do stuff. Brought them all this stuff, Aaron said, and then it disappears. And we didn't know that. You know, a lot of we didn't know. We were trying to... We were kind of had a blank slate. We didn't have Aaron's statement. I mean, we didn't have all this stuff from the beginning, but we were just trying to get them to do. We had nothing, you know, we didn't have pictures of what was in the truck, all that stuff that came later. I did reach out to Rick Olick to invite him to share his perspectives on Katie's case, but I did not receive a response. Sheriff Dwayne Lewis did respond to my email asking questions. He apologized that he could not discuss the case because it was actively being investigated by the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. I wrote back asking for clarification. I wanted to know if SLED was investigating Katie's death or investigating the sheriff's office handling of the initial investigation into her death. The answer to that question is critical to understanding what is going on in Katie's case today. If SLED is checking into the investigation, and if no one in the Berkeley County Sheriff's Office is investigating the deaths, then the case is essentially closed. It is noted as being closed on police officer Brian Mosier's document dated August 8, 2008. Sheriff Dwayne Lewis informed Vicki's attorney in January of 2020 that the case was closed. Information in a closed case should now be available to the public. If the case is not closed, as Sheriff Dwayne Lewis stated in his email to me, 
then it would appear that the authorities no longer believed that Katie committed suicide, nor was she responsible for the deaths of River and Aiden. I asked what steps were being taken to have the manner of death changed on Katie's death certificate from suicide to homicide, or at the very least to undetermined. But if the manner of death is not going to be changed, I asked why would there be a need to further investigate the case and keep the file unavailable to the public? because it has not been determined conclusively whether an Amtrak or CSX train was involved. Wouldn't it be prudent to involve federal investigators? This would also alleviate any potential conflict of interest due to SLED investigators being involved both in the initial investigation and the subsequent investigation of that investigation. It would also resolve any issues of bias on the part of the sheriff's department. Bias that I believe was exposed when he told Vicki when she expressed frustration at how long the referral to SLED was taken that he didn't care. When she voiced concerns that he hadn't told her that he had turned the investigation over to SLED, he said, and I am quoting, whatever. A grieving mother wanted answers as to why additional resources weren't being used in a timely manner, and that she was frustrated by the state of the investigation into the deaths of her daughter and two grandchildren. Sheriff Dwayne Lewis replied by saying he didn't care and quote, whatever. Even though the podcast wraps up today, we aren't giving up. There are some exciting things happening in the near future that you won't want to miss. So be sure to continue to keep up with me on social media. If we put our voices together, we can speak loud enough to get justice for Katie and her babies. If you have any information you want to share on the podcast regarding the deaths of Katie, River, or Aiden, email tips at SheilaWysocki.com or call 1-888-599-0008. Join Patreon and crowdsource justice with private investigator Sheila Wysocki. Without Warning Podcast, Season 3 Investigation, Derailed. Executive Director, Executive Producer, and Host, Sheila Wysocki and announcer, Tim Evans. Thank you to Lori Morrison of the podcast, The Unlovely Truth. Thank you to Danielle Birch, Chelsea Sarkowskis, and private investigator Jenny Moore for their boots-to-the-ground, passionate, laser-focused research.